Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our latest weekly update on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. A lot going on, both from the Supreme Court on the Clinton emails. We have new, really shocking documents uh, from uh, the FDA's program, the Purchase Fetal Organs. I've got an update on the left-wing assault enabled now by uh, corporations on election integrity measures in Georgia and elsewhere. Uh, and of course, we have breaking news today of uh, a security situation on Capitol Hill, which you can bet the left is going to uh, use to justify more First Amendment attacks on uh, the views of Americans that are at odds with them in terms of policy. So uh, first up is uh, the breaking news. I guess I'll talk about that first, which is uh, really tragic news in the sense that a police officer was killed by someone trying to ram their car through a, a, a security barrier outside the U.S. Capitol. So think of the U.S. Capitol grounds. Uh, there are various entrances. In order to get past those entrances, there, there's uh, you have to get past a security bar- barrier that lifts out of the ground. And uh, the person allegedly was stopped and uh, then ran police officers. And I think the person supposedly was killed. And at least one officer has died. So that's terrible. In response to it, they have deployed the National Guard on the on the streets around the Capitol. So you had a, a really a terrible security situation, one which isn't uh, which has happened before on Capitol Hill. There was a uh, in in that case uh, it was several years ago, a woman was shot and killed near the Capitol as she evidently was uh, threatening police officers with her car. Although that was still a controversial shooting. Uh, we didn't deploy the National Guard. I mean, when you see the photos and the video of National Guard troops lined up across uh, Independence Avenue, which is, by the way, five, six blocks away from where the car incident was, uh, it, it just is, uh, that's a political misuse of our military. That's what it is. So the security system on Capitol Hill worked. Someone was killed, unfortunately, but the car did not get onto the grounds of the Capitol. And so now we have the National Guard ringing the Capitol. Does that sound to you like a proportionate response, uh, security measure in response to what happened? I don't think so. You know, this this is unfortunately uh, there are security issues in Washington, D.C. And this is what this is one of the things that frustrates me. I don't think the Capitol is secure enough. I don't think it is. You know, I I work in I, I work near Capitol Hill. Um, I'm often up there, and it's not secure enough. Forget about being secure against uh, you know a terrorist attack or something like that. I just think it's secure enough in terms of even individual or everyday security risks. And I don't. I think the same is true. For the White House, I didn't think the White House was secure enough. It wasn't secure enough uh, the times I visited, in my view. And I doubt that security has improved under Joe Biden. 
That being said, the response isn't full militarization of the nation's capital. That is a political statement. It is a terrible, uh, uh, it's terrible for the United States image, both obviously here at home, but internationally, it makes it look like our country's not stable. And this is politics. The leadership on the Hill, uh, Nancy Pelosi and company, they're the ones responsible for these deployments now in league with uh, the Biden administration. We still don't even have basic information about the rioting on January 6th. We still don't have it. Capitol Police has been virtually silent on it. We've had to sue to get basic records about Pelosi, uh, about, about the communications with various federal agencies. We've also sued about Pelosi's communications with the military. So you have the secrecy and cover-up, and now uh, they are, again, misusing our military to score political points. So we have a dead police officer. The suspect is dead. Hopefully no one else is severely injured or, um, or dies as a result of the attack. And uh, the left running this city, at least at the national level, is deploying the military in response. Does that make you comfortable as an American? Does it make me comfortable? So uh, this is a big deal. And um, because our First Amendment right to petition our government is being constrained, you can't get, you can't do business on Capitol Hill the way. Um, you're used to doing it if you're here in D.C. So if you're doing business on Capitol Hill, if you want to petition your government under the First Amendment, it's harder to do, if not impossible, practically speaking, because of these increased security measures. The fencing that had been expansive had been, has been pared back a bit, but there's still obstruction of the right of the people to petition their government and communicate with their leaders. So I uh, pray for the family and condolences to the family of the police officer and his, his colleagues. It's traumatic, terrible. And the response can't be we shut down our republic. So speaking of shutting down the republic, we have uh, attacks on, <laughs> and I, I think it's ironic, that when in, during the election controversy, uh, the states and their ability to run elections, that was sacrosanct, right? We could never question that, right? Oh, unless they actually want to do their job and run elections, which is going on in Georgia. So Georgia state, Georgia state legislature passed into law. It was signed, uh, it was signed into law by the governor, Governor Kemp, uh, modest reforms on election security. The reforms include uh, expanding voting hours on weekends, codifying the ability to absent to get an absentee ballot for no reason, no excuse absentee balloting, which I oppose. 
but requiring that you put an ID number uh, from your driver's license uh, on the documents related to absentee balloting. It codifies drop boxes, something else I think that is a bad idea, but generally tries to increase security while allowing, I think the proponents of the legislation and the supporters of the law would say, uh, allowing greater access through absentee balloting while increasing security. So it's kind of what legislatures do. They compromise. It's not as secure as I would like, but quite reasonable. And it's frankly more, it, it's more expansive in terms of uh, absentee balloting than many states. So of course the left uh, has a narrative and their narrative is any security measures on election integrity are racist and need to be opposed because their narrative last week was that states could do whatever they want on elections, right? They could change the rules willy-nilly. But when state legislatures act according to the Constitution and the law, they play the race card. And their uh, President Joe Biden has gotten into the act with outrageous false statements about the law. I wonder if uh, big tech is going to censor Joe Biden for lying about election laws. Is that going to happen? Or being mistaken? I don't want to say he's lying because who knows what he what he thinks. <laughs> lying is a bit of a loaded term, but making false statements about the election law. Of course, he's not going to get censored for that. And the organized left has pressured corporations to attack election integrity laws. So you have Coca Cola, Delta Airlines. And it's now just announced that uh, Major League Baseball is going to move the All-Star game because Atlanta, Georgia citizens through the legislature, operating through the legislature, will have a bit more secure elections next time around. So now Coca-Cola is against voter ID. Delta Airlines is against voter ID. Major League Baseball is against voter ID. I don't know about you. I... I, I I don't watch televised sports anymore. I shouldn't say none of it, but almost zero interest in it anymore because of because the uh, between the NBA, the NFL, and now Major League Baseball, between the assault uh, and attacks on our military and our flag and the smearing of America through the Black Lives Matter propagandizing, and now the assault on election integrity. Count me out. Count me out. So the Orioles are going to have to lose without me watching them. And Coca-Cola now, you know, now that's the corporation point of view. Coca-Cola, if you buy Coca-Cola, you'll be opposing voter ID. Is that what Coca-Cola wants us to think? I don't like mail-in balloting. And, but it's still there in Georgia. And all they're trying to do is to make sure the person requesting the ballot is the person who says they are. I want more people to vote who are interested in voting. And the way to do that is to reassure them that their vote will be counted according to law. And won't be negated by illegal voting. 
So now it's Judicial Watch. You, if you're like you likely support voter ID, you're being opposed politically now by Delta Airlines, Major League Baseball, and Coca-Cola. I mean, I know Home Depot said something on it. I don't think they were as direct as uh, uh, Major League Baseball and and Coke and um, Delta have been. So anyone who thinks corporations are quote conservative these days, I don't I don't know what they're I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, I'm sure they're conservative on tax issues and some regulatory issues, but on big cultural issues and policy issues, they're leftist partisans, ideologues. So what is Judicial Watch doing? Well, we have litigation already in Georgia. We have two lawsuits about how the 2020 election was conducted, namely the consent decree that uh, really kind of enshrined uh, vote by mail in a way that undermined confidence in the system. And then secondly, we want to find out about that phone call that President Trump made to the Secretary of State that was recorded in an elite as part of an effort to, um, a political effort to attack President Trump, it looks like. So more is coming. We have many Freedom of Information Act requests on election integrity. State legislators uh, throughout the land are taking action to secure elections or better secure elections. No election can be perfectly secure. But you, to me, you just have to have the basics in place. Voter ID, um, very narrow absentee balloting, meaning uh, that uh, yeah, you really need a good reason in order absentee uh, to vote not to not vote in person. And there are all sorts of other uh, good ideas out there to secure the vote. And that's happening. And, and corporations are on the other side. The Biden administration's on the other side. The organized left is on the other side. And they're going to smear you and attack you. And in the case, we see this with the D.C. controversy with the rioting and all that. They're going to suggest that you uh, are criminal for wanting secure elections. That's the less point of view. But it isn't going to stop Judicial Watch. We're going to continue the heavy lifting. We're going to be in federal court trying to make sure the roles are being cleaned, trying to get accountability and the details of what went on in 2020 so that people are people can know what went on and decide what they want to do next time around. Either continue it, stop it, change it, whatever. So we're not going to stop. So next up, we had some um, not surprising, but still outrageous news from the Supreme Court this week. Uh, they declined to take up Judicial Watch's challenge to an appellate court ruling that gave special protection to Hillary Clinton from having to testify to Judicial Watch. What had happened was a lower court judge in a case that Judicial Watch had brought that exposed the Clinton email scandal, that changed history. Uh, took a big look at everything that had gone on and said, you know what, there's more than enough reason for Hillary Clinton to come in and testify in person under oath. 
And Hillary Clinton ran to the appellate court in an extraordinary fashion and received extraordinary relief in a way that undermined the Freedom of Information Act, the rule of law, all sorts of other principles that we're concerned about. And so we appeal that decision to the Supreme Court. And what happens is you ask the Supreme Court essentially to take up the case, the grant cert, as the lawyers say. And uh, last Friday, uh, the court, you know, they meet in conference as a private conference and they decide what cases they're going to take up. And then they release the list on Monday. And the list was released on Monday and our request for cert was denied with no comment. Now, now, generally speaking, the court needs four justices to take up a case. So we didn't get four justices willing to take up the case. Uh, Now, it's really outrageous. It really is. And, you know, Judicial Watch has gotten a lot of, uh, made something I said, significant historical work, engaged in significant historical work on the email scandal. And, uh, but when the Supreme Court ratifies a decision that gives special protection to Hillary Clinton again, it's disturbing. And as I said in my statement, I'm going to read it. Because I can't, I guess I could improve upon it. You know, but I do all this, we do all this work to issue statements, and then I don't even tell you about them sometimes when I'm talking about them. Uh, but this is this is a nice summary of what happened. Hillary Clinton ignored the law, but received special protection from both the courts and law enforcement. For countless Americans, this double standard of justice has destroyed confidence in the fair administration of justice. Americans would never have known about Hillary Clinton's email. And the related pay-to-play scandals, remember all the pay-to-play stuff that was going on at our State Department with the Clinton Foundation, but for Judicial Watch's diligence. We expect that the Biden state and Justice Departments will continue to protect her and cover up their own misconduct as we press for additional accountability through the courts. What that means is the case isn't over. We're still fighting in the lower court for additional discovery that's already been granted, though the appellate court hasn't shut that down yet. And we're being opposed, obviously, by the state and Justice Departments who are covering up their own scandals because they they knew about the Clinton email scandal, but they didn't tell the American people, Judicial Watch or the courts. That's why the judge gave us all this discovery, because he was outraged by the misconduct. And we unfortunately were opposed by the Justice Department uh, during the Trump administration. Mike Pompeo's State Department the Sessions and then the Bar Justice Department. So uh, it's disappointing not to get Mrs. Clinton's deposition. You know, that's another uh, avenue of accountability the court should have pursued. And the fact that they didn't, as I said, it's just terrible. It just tells Americans their concerns don't matter. But this was the most significant Freedom of Information Act case in American history. And I, I don't say that lightly. Hillary Clinton's not president because of the case. We wouldn't have known about the emails because of the case. And of course, it's tied to Benghazi. We wouldn't even have the Benghazi case uh, information that we all know about now, thanks to uh, Judicial Watch. This was the most significant non-governmental American, uh, non-governmental investigation in recent American history. And the court dropped the ball. Or I should say the courts dropped the ball. Because the Supreme Court's not the only court entity that did. 
And it reminds me, frankly, of the election cases that the Supreme Court refused to take up. So, you know, the answer isn't to despair. The answer isn't, you know, you can be upset about it, but the answer is just to keep on working. Keep on working on behalf of the American people, on behalf of the rule of law. So we still got to finish this case up, get as much additional information as we can, try to see if there are additional emails out there that we can get that have been withheld improperly. And, um, and we'll just keep on fighting for other documents under the Freedom of Information Act. It's just one of many cases. But the Supreme Court thumbed its nose at the American people in many ways here. Uh, and uh, I guess it's par for the course uh, in the way the Justice Department and the State Department has protected Hillary Clinton while targeting President Trump. Remember, they targeted Trump to protect Hillary from the consequences of her email scandal behavior. So uh, we uh, the litigation will continue in the lower courts, and we're we're still going to be pursuing it. So it ain't over. We're not going to be able to get Mrs. Clinton to testify, but her top aide Cheryl Mills is still supposed to testify, at least as of now. So there'll be more information coming out. This is information the court wants. So uh, you know, and of course, Mrs. Clinton still is out there as a public figure. So it's important we have the full record. And it's important that we get the records we're all due under law. So with that being said, uh, thank you for your support on the Clinton email issue. Uh, we changed history, and we will continue to change history uh, as we continue the litigation in the lower courts. Next up, and this is, uh, I hate to raise this on Easter week because it's such a horrible story, is that we received new documents, um, or released new documents from the uh, HHS about the FDA's program to purchase fetal organs. And the documents are shocking. They're terrible. They're horrifying. And, uh, but that's what your tax dollars are being used for. We obtained new documents, additional records documenting the purchases of fetal tissue, tissue for humanized mice research. The agency wanted fresh, shipped on wet ice, fetal organs. You heard that right. Fresh, shipped on wet ice, fetal organs. So we received over 500 pages of records from the FDA showing that the agency spent tens of thousands of dollars, your tax dollars, to buy human fetal tissue from an organization, an entity called the Advanced Bioscience Resources. The tissue was used, again, in creating humanized mice to test biologic drug products. It's just, just a, a Frankenstein <laughs> uh, monster type situation. Doesn't it sound like that to you? Now, ABR is a nonprofit human fetal tissue procurement firm but has been the subject of criminal referrals from both the U.S. House and Senate committees investigating human fetal tissue trafficking and whether Planned Parenthood or any other entity was illegally profiting from transfers of organs harvested from aborted human fetuses. Now, federal law specifically 
uh, prohibits uh, and makes it unlawful to acquire, receive, or otherwise transfer any human fetal tissue for valuable consideration if the transfer affects interstate commerce. So that's the issue here. We had a, a court judge in this case, a federal court judge in the case that produced these documents, expressed significant concern. I reported this to you a few weeks ago. Uh, that was the, the document showed potentially illegal behavior. So this is the this is the this is the the key email. The records include uh, a communication between the procurement manager for ABR, the Advanced Biological Research, and an FDA veterinary medical official, uh, Dr. Christina Howard. The two thousand. Um, a 12 application indicates that ABR would be paid $12,000 up front for tissue purchases. The contract provided for the provision of human fetal tissue with a gestational age of between 16 to 24 weeks, including one set of tissue, thymus liver, approximately twice monthly. So this is a regular occurrence. It was to be shipped fresh, shipped on wet ice. Let that sink in for a bit. There's this 2012 email, subject line tissue delivery. Just wanted to follow up with you regarding the tissue deliveries. We have three batches of mice that still need to be humanized. So please keep us on the schedule every week until we manage to receive three sets of tissue. And there's this email about the gender of an aborted fetus from which an organ was harvested. I want to check with your records on the sex of the tissue we received today. It was liver number 4505. The response, the text were not able to identify the gender. We only check exter external genitalia, and, it's, and if it's not there due to the nature of the termination procedure, we have no way of telling. And the response, thank you for explaining that to me. I have some leftover cells to sex it. I'll read one more. There's, there's, there's just tons of this type of e email traffic. And you can go to our website to read all the material. The May 9th, 2013 email exchange in which Harvard, Howard complained to Lawton, the ABR official, about FedEx x-raying the packages in which fetal organs have been shipped. Our package was x-rayed and the tissues could not be used. Lawton responded, damn, they were wonderful tissues. I procured them. I'm training a new tech in Indianapolis and I told her how, how important it is not, it is to put the do not x-ray stickers on the package. Of course, if you have an imbecile on the FedEx side, but then now it's a new point. Yes, we were absolutely heartbroken. They were beautiful tissues, and to lose them like that was awful. Your tax dollars at work. Do I need to read any more to you? I, I do. I don't even. I'm not going to characterize that because to say it is to condemn it. Really, to just just to quote it is to condemn it. Really. Email after email like this. 
these fetal organ trafficking documents shock the conscience, don't you agree? And show potentially illegal use of tax dollars to purchase organs of the unborn killed through abortion. And the question is, is it going to happen again under Joe Biden? Because it stopped under President Trump for a bit. As I said before, there was pressure to restart it again using COVID as the pretext. But this is the reality. And when you hear the left pretending to be outraged about abuse A, B, and C, all these things that they get outraged about. But this is this is something that's going on under the under the auspices of you, fellow citizen, through the US government. So we're doing more work on this. As I said, the litigation continues. As the court recently said, ABR sold second trimester livers and thymai for hundreds of dollars apiece, the same for brains, eyes, and lungs. After tacking on fees for services like shipping and cleaning, ABR could collect over $2,000 on a single fetus to purchase from Planned Parenthood for $60. The federal government participated in this potentially illicit trade for years. I tell you what, we're going to investigate this for years if need be. I commit that to you. I make that commitment to you. So uh, that being said, <laughs> I'll change focus and uh, wish you uh, a happy Easter. Uh, again, happily Passover falls on Easter. So I get to wish you a happy Passover as well if you're celebrating Passover. I know it's been difficult uh, during these times as COVID restrictions by the government and others have resulted in um, restraints on our liberties and the ability to celebrate Easter together. But I hope you're able to have a joyful Easter on behalf of my family and my colleagues at Judicial Watch. I wish you and your families a wonderful and joyful Easter. And with that, I will see you next week here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's Weekly Update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.